time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Over the past couple of months, we've all been in a very interesting place. (laughs) I always say interesting when I'm not sure what to call it. Uh, don't want to say that we're at a horrible place, but we all have been at a place of discomfort, I think. Part of the reason that we're struggling is because everything has been upside down in our world. Everything has been turned around. What we thought we could expect is suddenly upside down. So many plans that we made, you know, they have hit the rocks in the midst of this pandemic. And many of us are struggling to try to figure out what way forward happens. I recently wrote an article for Medium that was about the stages of grief and this pandemic. The reason I wrote it is because as I've had conversations with people over the past couple of months, what I realized was we were clearly going through and are still going through stages of grief. And some of us are stuck at different stages. Some of us are stuck at different places along the journey of how we move through this process. And so I've had a lot of time to think about how grief is playing out on a corporate level for the whole world. Pretty much at the beginning, we were all at the same place in the grief process. But over time, people move through grief in different ways. And you may have noticed that in your own life when you have had some other loss. Maybe somebody died and you realize that people in the same family don't even go through grief the same way. People who had the same type of relationship with someone don't go through grief the same way as time goes on. My introduction to grief was back in uh, my early career as a chaplain. Now, To be honest, I had been exposed to it before that. Back in the 1960s, that's when a lot of work was coming out about grief and about death in America. And we uh, began to notice how we as a culture were grief averse. We tried to not talk about that. And, And when people were in grief, we tried to leave them alone and wait for them to get to a better place. My father did his demon uh, project on grief, and so I heard a lot about grief as he was teaching in the church and writing on it and talking about that and was well aware of the grief studies as I uh, was a younger person. And as I went into college, I remember being in a class on death and dying, and there's not a lot of new information for me on there because I had been exposed to it, but I do remember that, that kind of uh, firming up what I understood about grief. An understanding that grief was our attempt to reweave our reality when we've had a loss. Back in the 60s, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she led the way in describing how people face their own death. In her work with people who were dying, she noticed that there were five distinct stages that people could be in. It started with denial. And denial is simply a place of not wanting to look at what was going on, of pretending that a diagnosis was wrong or pretending that things that were uh, noticing in your body were not happening. Denial was trying to avoid noticing the prognosis of something that was going on. Another stage was bargaining. When you try to find a way through it or a way around that, 
these were often experienced with dying patients as bargaining with the doctors to find a cure or bargaining with God to fix things or some universal uh, law to fix things or even just to the universe to fix things in exchange for something, some sacrifice that they would make. Another different stage was anger, a feeling just that uh, push against, trying to find some place to blame or push against. And sometimes it was people being angry about what might have caused their illness. Sometimes it was anger that was uh, expressed towards people trying to care for them. It just was a lashing out because of the feeling of of fear and threat that came with that. Remember that anger comes to us when we feel that, that threat. That's how we react to a threat. Another stage was depression. And depression was that place of feeling like just wanting to give up and curl up and crawl under the covers and just not do anything. It's really a loss of energy. It's a loss of desire to push forward. Then there was the stage of acceptance. Acceptance was the place where you just go, okay, this is what is. Now what am I going to do about this? So those are the stages that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross expressed in her uh, early writings back in the late 60s. And it began to be a way of understanding people in the grief process as I was coming into my professional career. Now, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was pretty clear that she was describing the stages that people could be in. And she was describing the stages of people who were going through their own existential threat that they'd had a, a diagnosis that was uh, about their death. And so they were trying to struggle through that diagnosis. We took that information, and first we decided it was a, a prognosis, that we had to move somebody through the stages. And we ranked them from denial being the worst to acceptance being the best. And in between, there were some inconvenient stages that people needed to be moved through and shepherded through, starting with pulling people out of denial and trying to push them through the bargaining stage for sure, understanding that the anger was there. And then when they got to depression, really trying to pull them into acceptance. The second mistake we made is that we applied it directly to people who were around those who were dying the family members who were grieving the loss of someone. Now, it's not that the stages don't show up that way. It's just that's not where Elizabeth Kubler-Ross first talked about them. So we pull that out of, out of context in some ways. So those stages are the ways we experience our own grief when we're faced with loss because grief unfolds in the midst of some loss in life. And one way to think about it is to notice that through life, we run through three different recurring patterns. It's just kind of a cyclical pattern of life, of integration, of disintegration, and then reintegration. Reintegration just starts the new place of a point of integration. So let's talk through each of those points and recognize that they are like rolling links of life. The first place is integration, and you know that as life. Back in December and January, most of us were at a place of integration. 
just life was going on, however it was going on. That doesn't mean that life was great for everyone, but we all kind of knew what to do. I remember my wife and I back in December and January were going to the movie theaters. (laughs) We were going out to eat and not thinking a thing about it. I would run out to the store to grab a couple of things and not think a thing about it. That was life. For some people, life was a struggle at that point, but that was life. It was what we understood it to be. And suddenly came this idea that something might be coming our way, but we didn't know what it would be. So we kept trying to live our life the old way. In fact, just as things were really starting to heat up, I was headed out of town to a conference. Had it happened two days later, I would not have gone to that conference. But we were right on the cusp of realizing that everything was about to be different. So even while I was going, realizing things were different and realizing I needed to take extra precautions of cleaning my hotel room and not getting near people, the moment we were still going, okay, well, this will be a couple of weeks. Both of our kids came home at about that time to weather the pandemic at home instead of in the hotter spots that they were living in. And we thought they might be home for a couple of weeks, maybe four weeks. That would do it. And pretty soon we realized that something else was going on. That's the disintegration. When you suddenly realize that things are not what they were, it disintegrates. Life becomes difficult. If you've done anything these days, uh, like going and getting groceries or getting groceries delivered or anything else, everything is a headache. Everything takes extra energy and everything is a little more difficult because there's so much that we have to think about. No longer can we just rush out to see a movie or run to the store or run to a restaurant. We have to think about anything we're going to do and weigh the risks. That's the disintegration. Now, what comes next is what happens as we decide we've got to kind of find ways back into life of how to live. As my wife and I have talked about, everything we do from here on will be a risk assessment. Is it safe to go Is it safe to visit? Is it safe to shop? Is it safe to do all of these things that we used to do and think nothing of? When will it be safe to do those things? How will it be safe? You know, as I think about going to the store, that's one level. If I think about going back to jujitsu, that's a whole nother level. And all of these require us to ask the question, is it worth the risk? And all of us are going to come up with different answers to that very question. But we'll be reintegrating as we move through that, which brings us to what's important about these stages of grief. What I realized early on is I was experiencing these stages. And once I could realize and name them as the stages, it made it a little bit better. It was one of the things that was useful as I was working with people in the midst of their own diagnosis back when I was a chaplain Well, sometimes it was just helpful for them to know, hey, that's a normal feeling you're having. It's a normal response to grief, which is why I wanted to go ahead and talk about it on the podcast, because it's normal to go through grief when we have a loss. It's our attempt at finding some way of getting back to life, of reweaving our life back together after a loss. Now, there are different levels of loss that we're experiencing in the midst of this pandemic. Some people are experiencing a real loss of having someone die or 
having the after effects, the after effects of the virus for themselves. And those are real losses caused by the pandemic. Then there are the losses of jobs, the losses of security, the losses of hobbies, the losses of freedoms uh, to just come and go as we wish. Suddenly, the losses begin to pile up. And grief is one of those things that stacks on top of itself. As we're trying to resolve one thing, we realize how tied it is to other things. I remember early on in this, you know, as we were kind of watching this unfold, we began to realize how many things were affected by this little virus, this little speck of RNA floating around, and how we didn't realize yet one more effect it would have, yet one more effect it would have. And that's what happens in grief. We start realizing more and more the places where something is lost and the impact of that loss. And sometimes we struggle against it. So many of us are noticing that we're in grief. And so it's helpful for me to have been able to name the stage of grief that I'm dealing with at any one point. It's also helpful for me to notice that in other people. When people are acting in ways that are concerning to me or bothersome to me to be able to go, oh, that's grief. That's how they're expressing grief. Because you see, the thing about grief is we, A, don't necessarily have to go through all the stages, and B, there's no set time to do it, and C, therefore, people will be in different stages at different times. So in the very beginning of this, if we rewind a couple of months to a couple of half, you know, two and a half months ago, and maybe three months ago in some areas, we were all at a place that's very similar in grief. And that's the first stage of denial of going, well, this is no big deal. Maybe even listening to officials say, oh, don't worry, there's nothing to worry about. To watching people who were expressing this and minimizing it in ways to avoid the real impact. You know, when people were talking about how it's like the flu or talking about how this won't be so bad or it won't make it to here or I'm not at risk or my loved ones aren't at risk, that this will just go away on its own. All of those are places of denial. Now, after a while, if you're watching long enough, you realize that that's not easy to hold those beliefs. There are some who still hold on to that belief. There are some who will always be in denial. The next stage is bargaining. That's where we try to figure out, you know, if we just stay still for a couple of weeks, maybe it'll all be safe. It'll all blow over. Maybe once it gets warm again, then it'll all blow over. If we could just figure out this one piece, you know, some, maybe something that's already around us. Maybe we find some treatment that's already available and that will just be the miracle. That's all about bargaining, We're trying to find a way through this without having to go through it. Bargaining is about finding a shortcut. Is there some way for me not to have to go through the hard stuff? Over time, bargaining begins to fall away. There aren't easy solutions to something that's like this. So then we have to face the hard realities, which is where we're watching now. We're watching people on the cusp of denial Some people still in the midst of bargaining and other people who have dropped to anger. 
where they're displacing their anger towards others, whether it's they're feeling a threat towards something or they just feel that cooped up feeling and wanting to get out. And so they began to express the anger as a way of finding some sense of control, which is what anger is about. It's an attempt to find control in the midst of a threat. So now we're watching all of the anger pour out. And every day we're served it up in media, watching how people are angrily responding in ways that are pushing against each other rather than finding a way to deal with this in any rational way. Remember, there is always that balance point between rational and emotional. The more emotional we become, the less rational we become. The more we can move away from the emotional, the more rational we'll come back. But whenever our emotions are high, our rational is low. So we're watching that every day, and it's easy from our perspective to look at them and say, shame on them, look at how they're doing that, and even become angry at their anger, which puts us right back in that same stage. And there are lots of people who are wearied from this, who are just ready to hide under cover. That's the depression. It's not necessarily a clinical depression that we're talking about here as much as just not knowing what to do, a feeling like giving up, a feeling like nothing will ever get back to normal. That's a stage that many people are feeling. So we have people who are scattered across those levels. And there's a fourth or a fifth stage of grief, which is acceptance. And the thing is, a lot of times people don't want to move towards acceptance because they think acceptance is just giving up. I'll accept how things are. It's just giving up. In reality, acceptance is saying, this is where I am. It it ends up being the starting point. If these things are true, now what do I have to do? We're going to be dealing with acceptance for a long time as we find out that there are some things that we have to do in order to keep ourselves and and others safe. Some ways we're going to have to behave differently. Some things we're going to have to accept about our lives, our social lives, and our private lives of how we're going to move through this in a way to help us get through this in as healthy a way as possible, with as many people being as healthy as possible. That's acceptance. It's the point of saying, here is where we are, now what? Now, those stages are very helpful for us to be able to self-identify, both in terms of looking at other people and saying, okay, that's what they're experiencing, and also looking at ourselves and going, okay, that's what I'm experiencing. It's a stage. Whenever it's a stage, that also means that we can recognize that it's going to shift. It doesn't have to shift, but it certainly can shift. And we can ask the question, who do I want to be and how do I want to move through this? Which brings us to an interesting point. David Kessler was uh, someone who was working with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross as she was uh, working through her uh, platform of creating those five stages. And David Kessler has recently come out with a sixth stage that's applied to uh, people who are going through the grief process that not everybody's going to get to, just like they might not get to acceptance, they might not get to it, but to recognize that there is a sixth stage, and that is about making and finding meaning in the midst of something. You see that many times when somebody has a loss in life, 
they take on a cause of how to help people who might be in similar situations. They've taken a tragedy, taken a loss, and turned it into their cause, turned it into their place of meaning and their purpose. You see people who change how they live based on some loss that they've had, some, something they've had to face and move through it and find meaning and purpose in the midst of that. And I think that that's part of what might come out of this pandemic, that we as a culture ask the question, what does it mean when we realize how fragile our healthcare is, our personal health is, our economy is, how fragile the supply chain is, how fragile things can become, how quickly that happens, and what do we want to do? How do we want to change? Just like World War II shaped a whole generation that began to be called the greatest generation, I think that we have a chance of asking, how can we be a greater generation than we've been? How can we collectively begin to move towards the place of meaning and purpose, of true reintegration? I mean, that is the deepest level of reintegration in life, of how do we come out of this better? That's the challenge for us. I don't know that I have an answer for how that will look because it will look different for each of us. What's meaningful for you, what's important for you is different than what's meaningful and important to me. But the point is that there's something else that calls us to something better, to being our better selves. I think that's where we move from. I don't believe that the virus is here to teach us a lesson. I don't think the virus is here to do anything other than replicate. That's what viruses do. But I think we have a chance to respond to it differently, to find the place of meaning, to find a place of purpose. So as you move through this, recognize the different stage that you might be in. And the simple question is, where else might I move? Where do I want to be? Who do I want to become? And what really matters? I think those are the thriving questions that we need to ask in the midst of this pandemic. What's it all about? Where am I in the grief process? And how do I want to move through? This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you build your thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.